message today is entitled, Escape Now. The culture of wickedness. Escape now. The culture of wickedness. Almighty God, I know you can deliver. I stand by faith. Your deliverance is there for every person in this house today. Let there be no excuses. Let there be no ducking and dodging. It is time to escape the corruption of this culture, the wickedness of this vile culture we're a part of. Lord, deliver us today. Open a path of deliverance for every man and woman, every boy and girl who will hear this message. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Second Corinthians. The sixth chapter. beginning with verse 16. 2 Corinthians, the sixth chapter, beginning with verse 16. And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will dwell in them, and I will walk among them, and I will be their God. They will be my people. For this reason, you must come out from among them and be separated, says the Lord. And the unclean thing you must not touch, and I will receive you. And I will be a father to you, and you will be to me a son and daughter, says the Lord. Omnipotent. Therefore, chapter 7, verse 1, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, may we cleanse ourselves from every defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. I have spoken this week with numerous people people who listen to the radio and call me afterward. And they've been saying to me, Pastor, I've never been able to leave my sin. Are you sure it's possible? I've never seen a man or woman utterly delivered and set free. Are you sure it's possible? Can a man be saved? And I've said to them this week with great joy, yes, you can be delivered. It is a miraculous occurrence of the divine. It is not our work. We cooperate with the work, but it is a supernatural coming in and regenerating the human heart. It's something God wants to do for us. It's not something we can do for ourselves. This whole Christian deal is not about self-improvement. It's about total transformation. It's about dying 
It's about the power of Jesus Christ to make us new. And some of you have come in here today. Can I be just very blunt? Some of you have come in here today looking like you need a Holy Spirit facelift. You need some serious surgery. Your heart is reflected in your face. Some of you have come in exhausted from the work of this week. Questions, wondering. Only Jesus can do this work. And some of you are down because you've been trying your best and the devil's been coming and telling you it's impossible. This is how you are. You're always going to be this way. Nothing can change. You need to go back and listen to that whole series on fatalism. I don't believe in fatalism. I believe in the transforming power of Jesus Christ who sets us free. So any bondage you're living in today is a lie of the devil. He didn't call us to bondage. He called us to freedom. He didn't call us to wickedness. He called us to obedience in the spirit. So can I be honest with you? Every ounce of self-pity you're feeling today is a lie from hell. There is no need for a Christian to ever be in a pity party. You finally have to stand up and shake it off and say, I am going to serve Jesus Christ. End of discussion, Mr. Devil. It's over. I'm done. I'm going to follow Jesus. Until you resist the devil that way, he'll keep lying to you. He'll keep speaking into your mind. He'll keep telling you you're not worthy. He'll keep telling you you're a failure. He'll keep telling you it's hopeless. Are you kidding me? The devil's the one who's hopeless. He's the one who knows he'll burn in hell. I'm not joining him there, guys. I have no sympathy for him. I'm not going to go there with him. Jesus called me out. Jesus called you out. So if you're still holding on to sin in your life, there's no excuse for it. None. Everything was paid at the cross. The full provision was made. The problem is you don't want to die. You don't want to let go. You want to maintain your pride. No reason to walk in sin. If there is a reason to walk in sin, the blood of Jesus was not adequately poured out on Calvary. Do you want to face Jesus and tell him, Jesus, you did a poor job on Calvary. I'll tell you what, I'm not going to tell him that. I'm going to tell him you did an awesome job on Calvary and you made all the provision necessary to set me free and make my feet dance in joy before you. So are you down today? Get over it. There's no reason to be down. There's no reason to be eating earthworms. It's time to rise up in our hearts and say, Jesus, I love you. Thank you for loving me. 
Is there anybody here believing this? Can I hear an amen? I don't like bumps on the log. I like saints that are dancing. I mean, we've got to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. We've got to believe in our hearts. It's got to permeate our beings. Then we'll know it's real. As you see, we're not the one who determines what is real and what is false. We're not the one who determines whether we're even saved or lost. Judgment belongs to Jesus Christ. I'm going to trust him. Frankly, I don't have anybody else to trust. And I don't want anybody else to trust. He has filled my heart with joy because of what he did on the cross. He doesn't have to even speak to me. He spoke at the cross. Do I need any more proof of God's love for me than what he did at the cross. I don't need some voice to come whisper in my ear and say, I love you, Ray. I don't need, oh, it's wonderful. I love, this morning I was up early, I was crying out to God. And he whispered in my ear. He said, I'm going to work it all out. I'm going to work it all out. Those were his exact words. I was crying out about very specific issues that some of you face in this congregation. I've spent much time this week praying for some of you. I wish you'd hurry up and get your answer so I could be free. That's all right, I'm gonna pray. That's what I'm supposed to do and I want to do. But I'm just saying, Lord, would you please get that answer in so I can be free? There are other things I want to pray about. But you know what? He doesn't need to even speak to me. He spoke at the cross. What he did there is utterly adequate and a lot more than adequate. Glorious truth, what he did at the cross. There are two key words. Anyone who's going to be serious about Jesus has to consider these two key words. One is death, and the other is resurrection. Those are the two key words of the New Testament. In addition to obedience and righteousness, death and resurrection. Let me read for you. And by the way, for those of you who are wondering, what translation are you using, Pastor? I'm using a brand new translation. I've been buried in it all week. It's a New Testament by Malcolm Lavender. Dr. Malcolm Lavender. It is the first translation in English of the New Testament where the translators have totally laid aside the Dewey Catholic Bible, and they are translating an utterly new translation, going using the tenses of the Greek, 
and fully making manifest word for word, even when it's clumsy. And if any of you would like one of these translations, please speak with my brother after the service. He's going to do a bulk order for us. I'm going to be using this translation a lot. Let me read for you Romans, the sixth chapter. Watch for these two words, dying or death and resurrection. Romans, the sixth chapter, verse one. The question has just been asked. about this culture of sin, about whether we're going to continue sinning. What then shall we say? Continue in sin so that grace may become more and more? Certainly not. We who died to sin, how shall we live in it any longer? We who died, past tense, completed action. That is the Apostle Paul's expectation. Past tense, completed action. In other words, we should not have to go back and redo it. It should be done once and for all. Finished, we're dead, it's over. How am I delivered from sin? How do I get the victory over sin? There is only one way. You have to die to it. I have never been victorious over a sin in my life, in my heart, by trying hard. The harder I have tried, the more powerful that sin has been in my life. And I finally came to the understanding that I could never fight with my sin and overcome it. Instead, I had to die to it. And to die to my sin, I have to ask some key questions. What rewards am I gaining from that sin? How is it comforting me? How is it benefiting me? And then I have to come to an honest question. Are the supposed benefits of this sin more than the benefits Jesus gave me on the cross? Some of you lie without even thinking. It just flows out of your mouth. I heard one, one man say, ask anybody, do you lie? And if they say no, you know they're a liar. Lying is extremely common, especially in our culture. I think all of us have been, at least at some point in our lives, filled with lies. What are the benefits of a lie? Well, I can keep somebody from getting mad at me. You know, your wife says, does this dress look good on me? You have to decide, are you going to lie? Are you going to say, 
honey, no, put it in the closet. And risk whatever might come. Now I'm making light, but you hear what I'm saying. A benefit for lying is that you can escape someone else's wrath. Or you can make yourself look good. Now, is that lie and the benefit you're gaining worth grieving the Holy Spirit from your heart? And I've come to the conclusion there is nothing, there is nothing of sufficient value for me to grieve the presence of God so that I walk in my own light and I have lost the presence of God. And lying will make the Holy Spirit withdraw from me. It's very clear that even the small lie will grieve the Spirit because he is all about the truth. Jesus is the truth, so if you're lying, you're not in Jesus. Well, there are other sins. Getting angry. Cursing. I got a kick out of it. One television station, and I don't have a TV and I don't watch, but I heard about this one. They made a deal for New Year's resolution in the station. No more cursing. Every time you curse, you have to go to the jar and put a dollar in it. And they showed as the staff lined up to put their dollars in. You know, you don't overcome cursing by saying, I have a, a resolution, I'm not going to curse anymore. No, sins are not removed that way. There has to be a dying and a coming to life of Christ in us. And we have to decide, are these sins of, of cursing, of, of bitterness, of anger, of lust, we have to decide, are these sins of sufficient value to me that I'm going to continue to walk in them? Or do I want them out of my life? And I'm here to testify today that at one point in my life, I was a very angry, violent man. Some of you might say, Pastor, I've never seen you get mad. Well, no, most of you have not seen me even begin to get irritated because the Lord took it from me. I didn't overcome it. The Lord overcame it. And suddenly it was just simply gone. He'll do the same with lust. He'll do the same with the love of violence. He'll do the same with gluttony. There is no sin that the power of the blood of Jesus cannot and will not break. He will break it if we'll die to it. And it's even Jesus that puts us to death. We simply say, Lord, I'm willing. Deal with this issue. And then every day, Lord, I'm willing, deal with this issue. And he'll take it. It's done. It's over. Notice. Verse 3. Or are you ignorant 
that as many as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. Really, we were buried together with him by the means of the baptism into the death that just as Christ was raised out from among the dead men by the glory of the Father, so also we may walk around in newness of life. You want Jesus? You want to overcome that temper? You want to overcome that lust? You want to overcome that violence? You want to overcome that bitter spirit? Give it to Jesus right now. And say, Jesus, I love my sin. It's my default position. It's what I always go to. You know, some of you have the default position of always feeling sorry for yourself. Feeling like God isn't there for you. Whatever your default position is, if you will give that thing to Jesus and say, I join you in death so I can be resurrected in life. And you continue to go there day after day, and he begins to say, I better do this for this man, or he's going to bug me and wear me out. He will do it for you. And you'll suddenly one day say, what's happening to me? I'm not mad anymore. I can laugh instead of curse. What happened? Now, the one who has the most trouble with what I'm saying is the one who was once delivered instantaneously, quickly, and then went back to it was delivered and then went back to it. Delivered and went back. Now that person, they're going to have to press hard on the throne of God because God's not sure they're serious. And God only deals with serious people. You have to stand and say, though I die, I will not turn back I will follow Jesus and I will not give the members of my body to serve darkness. I never knew I had an addictive personality, but I found that I am very addicted. I'm addicted to Jesus. I'm addicted to light. I'm addicted to freedom. I don't want to ever give it up. By the blood of Jesus, I'm free. And the devil has no right to put his bondage on me again. It's done. It's broken by the blood of Jesus. If you'll take that position, even though you don't sense it, even though you don't see it, one person said to me this week, Pastor, I've been listening. I've been afraid to come, but I've been listening. And for the first time this last week, 
I woke up in the morning and I began to pray, Lord God, will you make a path for me to travel to your kingdom on? Will you make clear to me the entrance butterfly to the highway of holiness? I can't find it. And this person said to me, I woke up the next morning and it's like I could see the butterfly for the highway to holiness. And I just laughed. I said, that's the most wonderful news I could possibly hear. Now don't take the next exit because it'll go to hell. Stay on the highway to holiness. Even if you break down, even if your car is out of gas, stay on the highway to holiness because a truck's going to come along and deliver you. And any repairs you need, he'll have. And any gas you need, he'll have. Anything you need to eat, he'll bring to you. Stay on the highway of holiness. I wish I could come to each one of you right now, look you in your eye, and make you tell me the truth. Are you on the highway of holiness to heaven? Are you on the highway to holiness? Or did you take an exit? Only you can answer that question. I can't judge you. I wouldn't want to judge you. But Jesus knows where you're traveling. And he's got plans for you and he has a destination for you. Did you know? I was born in Denver, Colorado. And I am making plans for a vacation. You know it's been a long, long time since your pastor took a vacation. I've been going on the internet and I've been looking up train schedules for Denver, Colorado. Now I can tell you right now that I'm not going to take a train to Maine to get to Denver. Would you? And I'm going to ride the rails. I love trains. It's been years since I've ridden on a train. I'm going to take Amtrak. And I'm going to go to Denver, Colorado. I'm going to rent a car in Denver. And I'm going to go visit the places I used to live as a child. I'm going to go to Longmont, Colorado. I'm going to go to Pikes Peak. When I was a kid. My dad had a Model A Ford pickup. And the Model A did not have enough go power to drive forward up the steep road that led to the top of Pikes Peak. So he would have to put it in reverse and drive backwards because it was geared lower in reverse. And he had to back up the mountain to get us to the top. Well, now there's a four-lane highway. And I'm going to laugh as I drive 
60 miles an hour up the top of Pike's Peak. I have good, good memories. I remember dad taking me down a street in Denver, Colorado that now is reserved just for walking. It used to be a place where there were all of the pawn shops. And my dad and I rode the trolley. And he said, Raymond, you've been a good boy. How about if we get you a cowboy hat? You've earned it. And I got my first cowboy hat. As my dad walked into that pawn shop and began to negotiate with that man for that cowboy hat that was in the window that I wanted, he ended up paying two bits. If you don't know what two bits is, Google it when you get home. I walked out of that store so happy and so proud. It was an honor in that day for a little boy to get to wear a cowboy hat. You had to earn it. You had to know how to ride. You had to know how to bring the cows in for milking. You had all these things I had to do. And for dad to finally say, okay, you've earned a cowboy hat, Ray. Well, I remember all these things. You know what? I'm going to heaven. And I have lots of memories about heaven. How do you have memories about heaven? You've never been there. Oh, yes, I have. I'm there now. I'm saved. I'm sanctified. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm having experiences with Jesus right now. And Jesus is in heaven. I know where I'm going. I'm going to heaven. And do you know what? The new Jerusalem's going to come down to earth. And Jesus is going to step out on the Mount of Olives. And it's going to suddenly shift and become a great plain. And on that place, the new Jerusalem's going to come down. Did you know you're going to spend eternity on earth? Earth is going to be heaven where the presence of God dwells, where the new Jerusalem abides. It will be the center of the universes. It will be the headquarters of God as he comes to live with his bride. What incredible honor he is granting to us as his bride. Listen to this. Romans 6. Knowing this, verse 6, Romans 6, verse 6, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, so that the body of sin may be destroyed, that we may not hereafter serve sin. There is a crucifixion that we must go through. And that crucifixion is saying, I give up all my pride. I give up all my ambition. I give up all that I own. I give everything into the hand of Christ. 
and there is nothing worth holding on to. I have in my drawer, in my, in my dresser, a black box. I opened it yesterday and looked in it. And there was a string of Mickey Moda pearls that my late wife bought for our wedding. And beside that were the two very precious, very expensive earrings of the Mikimoto pearls. And immediately I heard, how long are you going to keep those hidden away? I said, Lord, what do I do with it? Immediately my thought was, sell it. Use the money for radio. I said, Lord, do you want me to sell them? I'll take it to the jeweler who's a friend. He'll buy them from me. I can put that into radio. He said, stop it. I said, what do you, what do you want me to do with it? You have a granddaughter who loved Jan with all of her heart. You give her that set of pearls. I said, Lord, it's done. I will give them to her. And I will tell her, do you know who these belong to? And she'll say, yes, those were, those were Obama's. That's what she called. She's now in college. She'll say, those were Obama's. She's 18. And when I say to her, sweetheart, I want you to wear them and to have them. And every time you wear them, remember what Bama always talked to you about. She always talked to you about stay clean and pure, wait on your husband. Because Jesus loves you. And I know she's going to start to cry. And every time she wears them, she's going to remember Bama. They'll be precious to her. And I pray that she'll pass them on to her daughter. Jesus has given us the most precious gift that can be given. He has given us his crucifixion so that we no longer walk in sin. I claim Jesus' crucifixion as my own.
If you want to be free from sin, you're going to have to claim Jesus' crucifixion as yours. And your pride is going to have to be laid in the dust. And your ownership is going to have to be laid in the dust. And you're going to have to know how much he loves you. Is my granddaughter worthy of accepting these pearls? No, she is not. No, she's not. As far as I'm concerned, nobody could ever be worthy of wearing those pearls. They belong to my sweetheart. I'm not worthy of Jesus' crucifixion. but he's willing to give it to me. And he asks me to wear his crucifixion for the rest of my life. Some of you are having a hard time with sin because you won't own the crucifixion of Jesus. You're too proud. You want your own way. You want to have it in your head but the crucifixion can only happen in your heart. Can't happen in your head. Crucifixion is something of the heart. Verse eight, but if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him knowing that Christ, having been raised from among the dead men, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For in that he died, he died with reference to sin once and for all. But in that he lives. He lives with respect to God. So also you must think yourselves to be dead indeed to sin. Please hear me. Don't worry about the reality that you observe. Take the position. Believe that you are dead to sin, even if your outward body is not dead to it yet. Confess and believe with your mouth that you are dead to sin. And you will be. You will be. So also you must think yourselves to be dead indeed to sin. But living for God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Verse 12, therefore, the sin must not reign in your mortal body to obey it in the lust of it. And you must not yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness to the sin, but once and for all yield yourself to God as living out from among spiritually dead men and yield your members as instruments of righteousness for God. The culture of America is vile. It is wicked. Everywhere you turn, your eyes are filled with dancing images of utter wickedness. 
We must come up out of that vile wickedness as men and women of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and no longer offer the members of our body, our tongue, our heart, our hands, our feet. We no longer offer ourselves to the vileness of our culture. Many years ago in college, in an ethics course, I was assigned the book by Richard Niebuhr, Christ and Culture. His final answer was that Christ comes to reform culture. I want to tell you that's not true. Jesus is not interested in reforming your life. He's interested in you dying, and he's interested in giving you a new life. The culture of America cannot be reformed. It has to be utterly cast out. There has to come a whole new righteousness, a whole new way of thinking, a whole new way of operating. And the scripture is saying, come up out of that dead grave of America. Come up out of that deadness. Be resurrected in newness of life. And the way you do that is taking a position. I trust Jesus. I believe in his promise. Let it be done to me according to my faith. And it will be done for you. Therefore, verse 12, Romans 6, 12, Therefore, the sin must not reign in your mortal body to obey it in the lust of it. And you must not yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness to the sin, but once and for all yield yourselves to God as living out from among spiritually dead men and yield your members as instruments of righteousness for God. For sin will not rule over you because you are not under law but under grace. Now you're not going to understand what I just said if you think that grace is a covering for your sin. Grace and sin never get in bed together. Grace is the divine influence that moves into your life to prevent you and to restrain you and to cause you to say, I don't want to go there anymore. It makes me sick to my stomach. Grace is the divine influence of God that teaches us to say no to ungodliness and yes to righteousness. Oh, my brothers and my sisters, we've got to get a hold of this truth that there is victory in Jesus. There's a lot of dying to do, but can I tell you, there's a lot more living to do. Are we willing to go through some dying so we can live? Aren't you sick? 
of participating with things of darkness? Aren't you sick of waking up in the morning with a guilty conscience wondering how you can repair the damage you did the day before? Aren't you sick of waking up in the morning and instead of songs of praise, you say, I wish I could go back to sleep and just die. I don't want to get up. I can't live that way. I've got to wake up with the song of Jesus on my heart, praising him and worshiping him because I'm free. The day is before me to serve the one I love. What could be better than that? Is there anything better than walking in peace with the one you love? I don't think there's anything worse than waking up and walking in the day with the one you hate. Constantly expecting blows. How miserable. That's not who we are as Christians. In Christ, we walk in freedom and joy. And we walk in victory and praise his name. You know what? I love Jesus Christ. I love Jesus Christ. I wish he'd come and ask me three times, do you love me? I love Jesus. There isn't anything else that even begins to compare to Jesus. Can I tell you the truth? I'm drunk on him. He's incredible. He's wonderful. Did you get it yet? I love Jesus. Do you? Why do you say so? Who has their hand over your mouth? Why don't you just say it right now? I love Jesus. Some of you sat with a face looking like a lemon. Let's try it again. Do you love Jesus? Doesn't that feel good? It's not about how good you are or how bad you are. It's about Jesus. And when I say I love you, Jesus, it means I yield to you, Jesus. You're mine. I'm yours. We're engaged. I'm going to be a part of his bride. This is the real deal. I'm going to heaven. I'm out of here. Oh, my brothers, my sisters. I love Jesus. And I'm going to tell everybody I meet, 
I'm going to tell them in the line in the grocery store. I'm going to tell them everywhere I go. I just have to tell you, I can't contain myself today. I love Jesus Christ. Do you love Jesus? And watch their expression. I told somebody that this morning when I went to Starbucks for coffee. She just smiled. She's getting used to me. She'll be here soon. Little gal that works behind the counter. Who believes in many gods. I said, do you love them all? No. Well, I love Jesus. You're going to love him too when you get to know him. Do you understand? Love cannot be contained. It has to go somewhere. It has to say something. I don't mean to be childish with you today, but I love Jesus. And I want you to love him too. And I praise God that most of you do, but some of you still haven't gotten it. You still have a lemon face. You need a Holy Spirit face. You need Jesus to come into your heart. I praise God for his mercy and his kindness, his generosity, his love. And you know what? This wasn't even the sermon I'd planned for today. If you want to stay longer, I'll give you the sermon I had planned. No, I won't do that. I'll do it on radio tomorrow. Pray for me as I go to radio, please. Because you know I'm going to talk about Jesus. He's all I can talk about. So I'm going to be preaching on radio tomorrow out of Mark 5. So pray for me. Let's pray. Jesus, you're everything to me. I love you. And I bring some of my precious ones before you today who still don't know victory over their sin. And I'm asking that you would open a path for them onto the highway of holiness that they would see in the morning as they awaken the butterfly where they can enter and that they'll never leave it again. Lord, have your way. Let the love of your heart fill us and warm us and drive the dark away. Lord, thank you. I pray in your precious and holy name. Amen.